the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. To reduce your risk for vascular diseases and mitigate your risk of disease progression, it's really important to eat healthy. But I'm sure I don't have to tell you that. I'm sure you've heard that a million times from your healthcare provider. But what does it even mean? It is so easy to just shop in the produce section if you want to eat healthy. That's a given. But anywhere else in the supermarket, you might be at risk of being bamboozled. Yes, I said it bamboozled by the creative ways in which unhealthy ingredients are hidden in so-called healthy foods. Foods that are considered healthy and labeled as natural contain many harmful chemicals used as food preservatives and flavor enhancers. And to talk about the hidden hazards, we have dietitian Melissa Hooper with us, um, along with our co-host, Dr. John Phillips, and of course, our guest co-host as always, nurse practitioner Kay Smith. If you have any questions about what's on your labels, call us to join the conversation. Here's the number, 1-888-367-5329. 888-367-5329. This is going to be a good show, John. I think so. Um, you know, as they say, your your body is a temple, and so the fuel you put into it should reflect that. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, and I think Melissa is hopefully going to share us a lot of, uh, share with us a lot of helpful tips to navigate these waters. Um, yep. How was your week? It seems amazing that another week has come and gone, and now we're in December, and before you know it, it's going to be Christmas, right? Oh my gosh, this has gone so fast. I have been away with my dad um, celebrating Thanksgiving week. And then also, as you know, my mom transitioned this year. So we wanted to be away for my parents' first anniversary um, with my mom in spirit. So we spent the time in San Diego. And what was really great, we went to this place called Cape Ray in Carlsbad. It's a great resort. And I talked to the general manager, Thomas, who said that he literally wants to uh, work with us to make sure that any patient with peripheral artery disease or heart disease or another vascular disease has options on their restaurant menu at the resort. I thought that oh, was really good news. That's awesome. You know, it, it, you, we talked about this before the show went on air. We spend, like as physicians, right? I spend a lot of time counseling my patients about their medications and risk factors, uh, but we don't spend time or at least I don't talking about diet much. And I mean, that's really yep. what 
we eat all the time, right? And in, in, in the our Western civilization, we have access to so much food that uh, um, we can overeat, uh, as a lot of us do. So this is going to be a good show. I'm looking forward to kind of learning more about what not to put in my body because I, I try to eat as healthy as possible, Me but too. it's hard, right? So before we jump into the topic of the day, Dr. Phillips, your words of inspiration for the day. Dr. John Phillips, spectacular, vascular moment of inspiration. Uh, Mike, that never, it doesn't. (laughs) I feel like I'm in the Game of Thrones or something for King Joffrey. Um, (laughs) Thank you, producer Mike. (laughs) Thank you, producer Mike. So I took, I took a quote from uh, Hippocrates, kind of, you know, the father of medicine as it pertains to food. and, And he said, let food be thy medicine. Thy medicine shall be thy food. So uh, you are what you eat, basically. And so let's start eating healthy. I love right? Dietitian Melissa, what did you think of that quote? <laughs> I thought the quote was right on. Um, and, but I, I loved the uh, intro to introduce Dr. Phillips. <laughs> mm-hmm. We all love it. We all love it. We need to get one for dietitian Melissa, too. <laughs> exactly. Just everybody gets one. Maybe with another Scottish flair also for a nurse practitioner. Kat. Yeah. We need some bagpipes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. That's so appropriate, too, when you've got, like, the king and queen of, or the prince and princess of uh, Wales here in the U.S. right now, too, right? For Princess K, or, or not Princess K, but our nurse K. <laughs> so. That's right. They are visiting, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they're in Boston, I guess. But anyways, well, anyway, I'm super excited to be here. And um, nutrition is definitely my passion. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, everybody eats. So everything's they're an expert on it. Um, however, there are a lot of different things that people are not usually aware of, especially the general public. Um, I know in the medical field, we are kind of a little bit more aware of things, but um you know, I'm hoping that today we can kind of shed some light on, you know, what's really going on with the food labels. And um, and this is what I like to say. I want to give some facts about the nutrition facts label for the food labels. So and then we can talk about different foods. And obviously, this is a discussion, but um, I definitely want to make sure I try to give the listeners or viewers the, some tools and some tips on how to actually read the food label, because, you know, Uh, And I'm not knocking the marketers, but they're always going to pull out some pieces to try to market on the front of the package. But on the back is where you find the facts. And those facts are regulated by the USDA and the FDA, you know, depending on the food. So um, I hope this will be really how amazing it's so amazing how loosely um, these these marketers can call things natural or call things healthy or my favorite is with the oils when they say that they're heart healthy when they may not be necessarily heart healthy in today's world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are actual nutrition claims versus nutrition facts. And so that's where it kind of gets into some of the splitting of the fine hairs on the label is because, you know, again, most of the general public, and I used to do supermarket tours with a lot of patients who were heart patients that were recovering from open heart surgeries or have had a you know, heart attack, things like that. Um, and also people who were wanting to just learn about nutrition and go through uh, like a weight loss program that I used to have teach, 
when we would go through the supermarket, that was always one of the most eye-opening classes is because then they're actually pulling foods off the shelf and we're looking at it and we're really taking a look at the back of the label where, again, those facts are highly regulated. The front of the package is not necessarily as regulated, but it is still regulated. It's just not um, for health claims. There's, you know, it's not as loose. It's just some of those things are they're defined. Um but it's not the same as a fact. So it's not going to tell you the exact things that are actually in the product. And if you want that information, that's where you have to go to the back of the package. So, Melissa, let me My ask you this. My favorite today. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Kim. No, no. I, I was just going to say uh, <laughs> we've got about a minute and a half before break. And what you touched on was I had two points or I wanted to ask your opinion on. So you're in the supermarket, right? And you see all this organic stuff. Mm-hmm. What what does that what does that mean? I mean, should and I know it's more expensive, but I mean, is that better for me than you know? Is an organic apple better for me than a, a regular apple? Mm-hmm. Well, so it's kind of a. Um it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. So yes, in terms of not having been uh, produced or grown with any, uh, say, antibiotics or any um, pesticides, things like that, the organic products, there are, um, you know, and they've gotten a little tighter on this too. They didn't used to do as much regulation on them as they do now. And literally probably about a year or two before COVID is when they started to get a group together with FDA, where if a company has a food product that they want to say, is organic in order to have that organic you know label on the front of the package they do have to submit for this and they have to go through a review with you know the the food you know fda usda they have to meet certain criteria to be able to say that that on the label so it is more regulated these days unless if you go to like a farmer's market there may or may not be necessarily the same labeling and really quickly, the dirty dozen is something that um, it, it, where if you really, you know, you it, you want to focus on uh, what's affordable and what's not. Not everything has to be organic. Mm-hmm. And the dirty dozen is a good way to just be able to say, hey, these I'm going to spend the money. I'm going to get the organic and the rest. It's not as important. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are really um, something that was created for anti-cancer and with the pesticides and things like that. It's, um, you know, one of those lists that those are f- fruits and vegetables that are very hard to cleanse if they have not been grown in an organic fashion. So you, there's still ways you can wash off those pesticides and those chemicals that they're grown in to help fertilize the soil that they're grown in or if it's tree or whatever. Um, there are ways to do that. But the dirty dozen are the ones that are actually harder to get those off of because they have the different crevices and and the actual natural product itself that sometimes people don't aren't able to clean and coming up we're going to tell you exactly where Mm -hmm. to find the information on that dirty dozen and so much more so stay with us Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its 
advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today we are talking about the hidden hazards in so-called healthy foods. Before the break, we were talking with dietitian Melissa. We also have our host, Dr. John Phillips here, and also nurse practitioner Kay Smith as our guest co-host. But we mentioned the Dirty Dozen, and there's a website. Go ahead and mark this down, ewg.org. That's ewg.org. And they have the Shopper's Guide to Pesticides in Produce. And so when we talk about the Dirty Dozen, they're ones that are more likely that you're going to want to buy um, something that's organic because they have the most pesticides. Number one, strawberries. Two, spinach. Three, kale, collard and mustard greens. Four, nectarines. Five, apples six grapes, and it goes on and on. And dietitian Melissa, these ones, it just means that it's a lot harder to clean these pesticides off, correct? Correct, yes. And um, and, and we kind of had a little conversation about this too um, during the break, but there are some fruit and vegetable or produce washes that you can use that are, are also organic and soluble, so they're not going to have a lot of chemicals in them. But you can use those to rinse off the, the chemicals that these other dirty dozen vegetables and fruits are grown with. Um, it's just harder to get them cleaner because of the way they're actually just naturally you know, produced um, in terms of like, if there's a lot of seeds or if there's like with lettuce, you've got a lot of grooves in between the lettuce leaves that things can hide in there. And it can be bugs. It can also be pesticides. It can be residue from what's left over with whatever they were grown in or or on. So um, those are why those are on the dirty dozen list. But yeah, those would be ones if you want to splurge and get something organic, those would probably be your best ones to do. So let's let's shift gears here a little bit. And I've started doing this of late, kind of reading the labels on on what I buy. So just off the top of my head, I eat a lot of peanut butter. I like the Mediterranean diet and using mm-hmm. kind of nuts as my proteins. So I bought some what I, I bought I bought natural peanut butter. And then I took it, got it home and I looked at the back of it and I'm like, man, there's a lot of stuff in here other than peanuts. Peanuts. And then I went and kind of saw that there's actually the true natural peanut butter, which is just, I think, peanuts and maybe salt. So walk us through that. Like, do we get hooked on the word natural and then we take it home and it's not really natural or Mm -hmm. just explain it. Help me, please. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a really great question because um, you're not alone. And I mean, you're very educated as a physician, but think about the, the average consumer who doesn't have that background at all and is looking at those labels. So it is easy to get bamboozled, as Kim said, um, um, when they're saying natural, they're saying that this is, you know, it's a natural peanut butter. It's not something that's an altered, you know, product that's the main product for that, you know, peanut butter. Um, It's not a fake peanut. (laughs) 
for lack of a word. So that's kind of more of a claim than it is an actual fact. Um, again, the facts are very regulated and they're on the back of the, the package. But to your point, a lot of these products, and again, this is why I feel like it's important for people to at least learn some of the basics on how to read a food label. Because when you turn the label over and you look on the back, you're going to see where they've added in sugars or salts or even added in other fats to it. You know, and again, if you want something actually very natural for a peanut butter, you can go to some of the stores that will have peanuts and you can have them grind up just peanuts into peanut butter on the spot in the store. That's another thing you can do. And you can pick other kinds of nuts. It doesn't just have to be peanuts. It could be almonds. It could be cashews. It's whatever peanuts they have available. Um, And I don't want to promote specific stores on the on the show, but more of your natural food stores will do that. Um, and they, um, it's an easy thing to do. It doesn't cost to do that. They usually will grind them up for free, but you are going to pay for whatever nut it is by the pound of whatever it is. Um, but then dietitian it- Melissa, I also see that with the nut milks. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I was getting just naturally. How hard is it for almonds mm-hmm. and, and water? And so many of these so-called nut milks have mm-hmm. all kinds of other ingredients in it that I can't even pronounce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and some of those can be um, some of the ones that are like preservatives, you know, obviously getting something from farm to table, whether it's an almond that's grown on a tree and is being processed into almond milk or, you know, know, oats being, you know, processed and put into an oat milk. Um, There are some some ingredients that do have to be there in order for it to be shelf stable. So, again, that can be a little misleading leading for the average consumer to see that and think, oh, I'm just going to, what's the big deal? I can't, you know, and, you know, sometimes these are things you can actually make at home too, um, you know, but you have to keep in mind um, if you're going to buy something that is already um, processed and out of its natural state of how it is actually grown, there's going to be more, a little bit more involved unless it is, you know, something that you don't mind having it like the, the you know, peanut butter, almond butter, something like that, where you're going to grind it up and you're going to take it home in its natural state. And it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to have the preserved just because you may be eating it sooner than what it would be on a, a regular brand of peanut butter. So Melissa, walk us through how you read a label, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what, what, what are like three things that go through your head when you're looking at it as to whether or not you should buy brand X or brand Y with respect mm-hmm. to their nutritional value? Mm-hmm. So for me as a registered dietitian, um, and even as a personal consumer, um, I, I have in the most recent year tried to reduce my own added sugars. And I'll be honest, even as a dietitian in the year 2022, <laughs> it is still very difficult to find foods that are just natural without any added sugars, salts, or added fats, or, you know, any preservatives added to it. And, you know, of course, I'm not going to grow my own peanuts. So if I want peanut butter, I'm just like the rest of you, I'm going to have to go to the store and buy it. So, you know, I try to look over, I, I turn the label over. And for me specifically, I will look at like, what's the added ingredients besides what we know goes into peanut butter. I'm just going back to this example, and this is anything really for this matter. You know, I look at how many carbohydrates and then I look at the type of carbohydrate that is in it. I want to know, is that carbohydrate all just natural from the actual food that is comprising this product that I'm buying? 
or has there been added sugars? Have there been added sugar sweeteners? And that will be listed as a sugar alcohol. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the sugar alcohols either, but for a lot of my diabetic patients and clients, that is a big component. So they know that they can have that versus a product that has actual sugar added. So, and then I want to look at, okay, well, if it's a sugar, you know, alternative, what kind is it? That's when you go into the ingredient label and you're going to, on the ingredients section, and you're going to say, hey, what is it? I mean, I personally have, I, I, I don't like the equals, the sweet and lows. Um, those are not my fan. I like to go for monk fruit, um, you know, stevia, something more like that. It's a more natural product. Um, even coconut sugar is still going to have some carbs in it. It's not going to be quite the same. It still will have a glycemic effect. Um, more so than monk fruit and, and stevia. But those are the things that I would look at. And then what's the type of fat that's in there? And again, these are things that are highly regulated. So they, the, all the food consumer or food uh, manufacturers, I should say, have to follow a very standard regulated term, you know, definition for this. So they have to list out how much fat is in there. And this is all per serving. Um, so, they have to list out how much fat and what the fat is. The type of fat has now been deemed more important than the actual amount of fat. And this has all changed around 2020, 2021. So as, as of July, 2021, all of the major manufacturers now have a, an updated uh, style of presenting the nutrition facts that all should be the same. So they will be listing out if the fat is a saturated fat um, or, you know, if it's, uh, you know, they also list the cholesterol. Those, those things are going to be in the panel on the back with the facts. So no pun intended, but that's a lot to digest. We're going <laughs> to go to break here in a few seconds. Yeah. And I think when we come back, maybe we can continue this conversation. Kim, is that okay with you? You're the boss, you know. All right. Good. Kim said it's okay. So stay with us. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks. My symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD peripheral artery disease if you've been experiencing leg pain leg cramps or neuropathy when walking and your doctor isn't hearing you we are we are the way to my heart the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients and we want to help you get back on your feet again visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our legsaver hotline 415-320-7138 your life and limb could depend on it welcome back to the heart of innovation for more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. 
Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for continuing to join us. This has been a fantastic show. I mean, obviously, we're learning a lot about uh, what we put in our bodies. And kind of during the break, we were just discussing, um, at least for me, there are certain foods that I think are healthy that I that I try to eat. Uh, like, for example, a lot of these protein bars. Um, <clears throat> and I started looking at these labels and I uh, and, and to Melissa's point there. I feel like there's added carbohydrates and added sugars that I didn't think were there. So, w- Melissa, give us an idea of what it, like there are certain foods that people think that they're eating that are healthy when, in fact, they may not be as healthy as 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 we thought they were. Um, what should what I mean, what kind of group should we stay away from? And and again, in my situation, I find like it's these protein bars or these like energy bars that I think are good for me. But when I get into the nitty gritty of them, I'm not sure that they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is actually another really great question because, um, in fact, and just to start off this uh, answer, there's a new recommendation that they're working on with the FDA on the terminology healthy. So, you know, outside of the U.S., I'm not 100% sure if they have any regulations on using the word healthy, but that is something that they're looking at really defining in the U.S. So it's, and it's gone, it's on its second round right now on um, what they're working on. So eventually you probably will see some um, specific definition on what manufacturers can use when they use the word healthy on a package. But for now, um, we still have to eat <laughs> between now and then. So, um, you know, what do we do? So, you know, obviously, if you're grabbing a bag of Cheetos that we all know, or, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, pick on a specific food, but any, you know, potato chip type style, you know, snack food, we know those are probably not going to be healthy. But to your point, you know, when you're looking at a protein bar or a protein powder or something that you would think is kind of a natural food store, that it would obviously be a healthy product. But not, of them, not all of them are. You know, they may have only changed one ingredient from a saturated fat to a, a monounsaturated fat ingredient, and now they can say it's healthy. Well, technically, yeah, they can say it's healthy because it does have that. You know, if that's one of the main ingredients in their product, they can say it's a healthy product, but um, there's no regulation on that right now. So I usually like to say it's healthier. <laughs> It's a step in the right direction. It's not necessarily going to mean that that particular product is actually a healthy product. So what do we do? So if you like, let's say you're looking at a protein bar, then um, obviously I would always say you have to look at the back of the product. You have to look at that nutrition facts label. How many calories are in there? I mean, if there's maybe 150 to 250 calories in that bar, then that's you know, depending on who you are, if you're a small petite female versus a six foot larger man, you know, that might not be anything but a snack, you know, but if it's, you know, 350 or 400 calories in the bar, that might actually be a meal replacement for someone who's a petite, you know, person. Um, so where are those, where are those calories coming from? So that's what we have to look at, you know, are, are there, carbohydrates are the the carbohydrates mostly sugar so if if there's maybe 30 carbohydrates total in that that product and then if it shows there's the sugars like if it it really does say sugars or added sugars either one of them those are added sugars so the sugars if there's maybe 20 grams of sugars then you know that two-thirds of that product's carbohydrate is coming from a sugar. It's not a natural product like a fruit or an oat that might have been added into it because oats are going to naturally have carbohydrate. Fruits are going to have natural carbohydrates. But anytime it says sugars, those are added sugars where they're literally pouring in, 
Okay, so real quick, just break that down for the listeners. Carbohydrates are sugars, right? Mm -hmm. And then that's the umbrella. And then underneath it are sugars and what else? So Mm -hmm. you do not want, what percentage of your carbohydrates do you not want to be sugar? Like what's a good, I guess, ratio? Mm So, I mean, this is kind of a blanket statement. If someone's a diabetic, they're going to want to have a little tightened down even further. But let's just give an example of the total carbohydrates in that serving for that product says 30 grams. Then I personally would like to recommend no more than maybe 10 of those grams or less to be coming from sugars, like added sugars. Now, there may be natural sugars that are in there and, you know, all carbs are not bad carbs. We have, that's our body's main source of fuel. It's our brain's main source of fuel. So we have to have some carbohydrates, but again, if, um, if you're trying to, you know, reduce the amount of added sugars, look on that label and see where it says added sugars. And, and if it has any added sugar alternatives, they will list that usually as a sugar alcohol. That's what it's called. So um, I would recommend if there's like, just as a rule of thumb, if there's 30 grams total, then you'd want to keep that to about 10 grams for your added sugar or less. But if you see 20 grams, or if most of the carbs in that is coming from sugars, you might as well just be eating a candy bar for that matter. Mm. Can I, um, could I mention something, Melissa? Yes, uh, Absolutely. I'm a type one diabetic. Mm-hmm. I'm also allergic to sulfides. So I tend to make everything from scratch because then I know what's going into it and what's not going into it. Um, but I really struggle these days with these adverts that are all over the, the UK TV. I presume they're on American TV as well. And they've now got vegetarian butchers. Vegetative what? I'm sorry. Yes. Vegetarian. Vegetarian butchers. Butchers. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And they make chicken nuggets, hot dogs, and they're vegetarian chicken nuggets and vegetarian hot dogs. And yep. it's just so basically so it's a plant. Oil. It's not to interrupt you, but it's a plant meat. It's a yeah. plant. Okay, gotcha. Plant-based. And they call it vegetarian butchers. And they charge a fortune for them. And they're basically made out of soy, which means that the carbohydrates etc are going to be through the roof um and i also this business where you eat low fat because low fat normally means high sugar because to compensate for the fact that there's low fat they put extra sugar into it so i have a lot of the 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 advertisement i think needs to be readjusted i don't know if you're having vegetarian butchers over in the uk the usa but Mm -hmm. we're just about up to there with the vegetarian butchers and the Mm -hmm. vegetarian chicken nuggets Mm -hmm. if it's vegetarian on that note because that is such a loaded question it's a really good point from nurse practitioner Kay. Uh, i'd really like to dive into that when we get back from break so stay with us Medical Notepad brought to you by Cardiovascular Systems Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation and The Way to My Heart. This week, American Endovascular's interventional radiologist, Dr. John Runback, talks about an advanced technique to prevent amputation. Hi, my name is Dr. John Runback for American Endovascular and Amputation Prevention. Pedal loop angioplasty is a technique whereby we open up the arteries at the very bottom of the blood supply into the leg. And the pedal loop is actually the artery inside the foot, which supplies blood supply out to the digits where you may often get ulceration or amputation. What patients need to realize, which is extremely important, is that many doctors will open the arteries down to the knee 
or even down to the artery, uh, down to the ankle, but not open the arteries below the ankle within the pedal loop, which may be necessary to uh, provide adequate blood flow for healing. Therefore, it's important if you had a prior procedure and still have non-healing wounds that you see an expert who is able to treat uh, disease within the pedal loop to restore flow directly to the wounds. That was American endovascular interventional radiologist Dr. John Runback with this week's medical notepad. Remember, don't act on any advice or information offered in this series without the explicit consent of your own health care provider. For more information on peripheral artery disease, go to standagainstamputation.com. And for advocacy, go to thewaytomyheart.org. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We're talking about the hidden hazards in so-called healthy foods. And before the break, nurse practitioner Kay was talking about the so-called vegetarian or vegetable butchers, um, a lot of those so-called plant-based products. And we wanted to get to dietitian Melissa to talk to us about the hidden hazards and those plant-based foods that are so-called healthy. Melissa? Well, um, that was actually a really great question because it's gained a lot of popularity with these meatless meats that have really kind of come to the, the mainstream market in the last few years. And obviously, you know, plant-based diets are healthy if they are natural products. But the, the issue with the meatless meats is that they are genetically modified meats. And um, they are also very, a lot of them have a soy base for creating that product. So what's now been find people have been finding out is that um, it's linked to some of the pesticides that the soybeans are grown with and that there is not only a genetic modified portion to the product, but now we have, um, you know, these pesticides that include things like Roundup um, that are being included into the, the ingredients and are linked to causing cancer. Um, and I, um, you know, I, I've, I know that there's some lawsuits out there now about this. So, you know, I don't necessarily think that's the way to go. If, if you're wanting to do something that's more plant-based, you know, um, you probably want to just stick to natural products versus the genetically modified that are created versus grown uh, yeah. or are more on a natural uh, spectrum of food. Yeah. Can I throw out there no, that, that the... The low-fat yogurts, everything being low-fat. About 20, 30 years ago, both governments, every government said we all had to eat low-fat. And now we've got an epidemic of diabetes. Do you think the two of them are linked? Well, yeah. I'm back in like the 80s and the 90s. I don't know if you guys remember that era. I do. <laughs> I'm dating my, yeah. I may be dating myself here, but um, a lot of the, the big push was low-fat. Well, to replace the, the fat for flavor, because flavor is usually found in a lot of fat. What they would do is they would add in either sugars or salts to replace the fat. Um, so it still had flavor and also helped with the shelf stability of the product. So it would last on the shelf for a few weeks and be able to take it home and still eat the product. So, you know, there are, that is definitely a, a hidden culprit, especially for people who were either diabetic or pre-diabetic and didn't know it. 
Um, They may have been eating these products, these cookies. I know there was a specific brand. I don't want to name them on here, but I I know even me and my mother, when I was growing up, we used to eat them all the time and we thought they were wonderful tasted great, but it had a lot of sugar. Um, you know, so if a diabetic was eating that way or someone pre-diabetic eating that way, that could be something that they thought they were doing good based off of the front of the package. Like, Hey, this is, you know, low fat, but may not have known to look for certain, certain things on the back of the package with the actual nutrition facts and find out, Hey, this is, I think we've (laughs) talked a a lot about sugar already. I want to go back to the plant-based foods because I think okay. we get a lot more of our questions about that. And I'd love to know some of the the red flags that that you can give to people so that as they are looking for these plant-based products that they're going to know. For example, I got these burgers from Akua, A-K-U-A. And it's kelp, you know, it's it's a kelp burger. But on that versus, let's say, and I am going to mention names, versus, let's say, the Beyond Burgers, Beyond Meats, mm-hmm. I could actually read the ingredients on the label. Mm-hmm. I knew what each one was. And I, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that's a key indicator or yeah. if there are ingredients that we maybe can't pronounce on some of these other ones that we should red flag. Now, that's an excellent point. Um, that was one of the the goals for the updated U.S. label, I should say, the U.S. food label, is that they were trying to make the ingredients more readable, that like common words, instead of using the chemical name for them or the scientific name for them. Um, There are still a lot of packages, though, that will use a scientific name, you know, based off the chemical structure of what what that product is that they've got in there as an ingredient. Um, But yeah, the less ingredients is usually going to be a key that this is a more natural product. It's not been, you know, had a lot of other ingredients added to for flavor or for preservatives or things like that. And, and to your point, um, you know, I, um, as a dietitian, I really don't like to push soy products just because of the impact that it can have on hormones. And this is not just for women with breast cancer, but it also affects, it can affect hormones for men as well. So these are these can become um, hormone interferences and can cause you know other problems down the road if someone's just using that particular product for a long term as a staple like a, a milk product like we talked about you know um, in the break about you know the soy soy milks things like that um, but you know that would be something that if somebody has a genetic risk in their family I would say probably stay away from the soy altogether but um, but there are some alternative you know, products that I, I am a big fan of. And one of them is pea protein. It's just like the green pea that you find like in a, a like the little round pea that's in the green bean um, or the string bean. That is actually something that um, they don't have any research, at least at this point, um, showing that there's any harm in that. It's an, But they will pulverize that pea into a powder. And then you will find a lot of times in the protein bars and things like that, they will add in pea protein. In fact, I just ate one this morning for breakfast that um, <laughs> um, you don't look any worse for the wear. <laughs> yeah. How does that taste? Is, that, is, that, is it too early to eat peas like that? Yeah, well, I mean, as well. you don't really taste the pea, you know, but, but I mean, it, it does have, you know, I mean, it's got a protein flavor to it, but even just alone, I mean, you're going to get protein from that. If you're eating it as part of, you know, like a vegetable for one of your main courses or whatever, I mean, you will get protein from that pea, but a lot of people don't know that. And this was something that came out probably, uh, probably about five or six years ago. It was out in like the, the industry shows, the trade shows, 
And now it's become a lot more mainstream to the point that even some of these newer products, newer chefs, um, some restaurants, they're already starting to incorporate in the pea protein, which gives you a lot of protein. It's plant-based. It's not got a, a hormone interference. And, um, and it really doesn't change the flavor too much if you, you know, once they're adding that in with other natural ingredients into a dish or a, like a Is power. It's still healthy when it gets processed into cheese. What about some of the pea protein cheese, the nut cheeses? Is it mm-hmm. are those okay? Well, cheese in I and of itself. Of I mean, if it's a natural cheese and you know not an artificially created cheese, um, it, it will also have protein in it, just based off of the way it's made. But um, you know, if they're using pea protein to actually fortify it and give it more protein, uh, then. Yeah, it should be fine. But I mean, again, this is where you have to look at the ingredients. And, you know, I really can't stress that enough to people. It's like, you know, we got to look at the facts. And then once you see what's actually in there, then look in the ingredient list. Wait, Melissa, are you you telling me that those slices of cheese that are perfect squares and individually wrapped, that's not real cheese? Plastic cheese. (laughs) Plastic cheese. Yeah, you're bursting my bubble here. Buzzkill. Darn, Buzz I know, kill. right? I'll give you yeah, a biggest buzzkill. Because buzz we kill. buy cashew milk cheese, buy pea protein cheese. How can you eat so many nuts in America that's full of carbohydrates and calories? Well, that's the magic of America. So <laughs> we have a way to add in some extra carbs along the way. <laughs> Peanut butter. Well, now, and I will say this, if you are getting a natural peanut butter, here's another good rule of thumb. If they're natural and don't have a lot of preservatives, you'll see a layer of oil on the top of the peanut butter in the jar. And that's actually when you'll have to stir it up. And what I usually do when I get that is you just want to put it in the microwave for about 30 seconds or so. So it just softens it up so you can stir that oil back in. And all that is, is it's the most natural shelf pre, pre-made peanut butter you'll find. Other than up right here on the, the Heart of Innovation, we will have more with Dietitian Melissa, so stay with us. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is a little bit of a speed round. Um, You know, the show is all about the hidden hazards in healthy foods. So I want to see if dietitian Melissa has a little bit of a speed round of some red flags that you can look for on your labels. Yes, absolutely. So again, don't be deceived by the marketing that's on the front of the package. It may be true, but it may not tell the whole story. So always turn the package over and look at the facts on the back. You want to start with looking at the the type of fat that's in there and see if it's, you know, if it's mostly a saturated fat, that's the total amount of the grams of fat in that product. Then, you know, that's an animal based product, which may or may not be bad. But um, if you're watching cholesterol and your saturated fats, um, you might want to pick another product that's not so high in the saturated fat and also cholesterol. The other thing I would say is to look at the total carbohydrates and again, check where those carbohydrates are coming from. And underneath the carbohydrates, if the majority of those carbohydrates total are coming from a 
you know, an added sugar, then again, this is a high sugar product. You will want to pick another product if you're watching your blood, you know, your blood glucoses or if you're diabetic or pre-diabetic. And also we didn't really talk about salt as much on this so far, but you want to look and see about the sodium too. And um, the sodium can, you know, be hidden item as well. So if it's, you know, if, if the actual food serving for that package of product is over 250 milligrams of sodium for that serving, I would say you're starting to get into a little bit of a higher range of sodium. So keep it to about 250 milligrams or less on a serving. Um, and then that will help you keep within the 2000 milligrams that is recommended per day. So again, it's the fats, it's the carbohydrates, and it's the salts. Um, a lot of these things can be used for preservatives and flavoring and that's where we can kind of go awry how about thickeners so thickeners um typically that i it's i wouldn't necessarily call them thickeners we we actually call them binders in in um the food world but um because there's some ingredients that won't mix and stay together without the binders so some of them are necessary and then some of them um, you know, are not necessarily necessary. They may be, you know, added for other flavorings and, and, and flavor enhancers as well. Um, so again, I mean, the, to do that in a few minutes would be hard to go through a list of those, but, but that is definitely one of the other things to, to take a look at. And it should they okay? be ingredients. Um, they okay? Most of them are, if they're a natural product, because there are some natural binders. And here's another rule of thumb. So the ingredient list, they're going to list them in, by weight in the product. So the, the amount of weight of that product is going to be coming from the very first, about the first three to five ingredients. So if the first couple ingredients in there are a sugar, a salt, or a fat, then you can know that that product is probably not the healthiest it could possibly be. Um, there are some, you know, if, if it's saying, you know, um, you, you just want to make sure that, that there's not a lot of fat and salt or sugars in those first few ingredients. That was a lot to take in. <laughs> it is a lot. And I just want to close out. We have about a minute left. And um, Dr. Phillips and so many other doctors out there, they talk about the Mediterranean diet. Anything that we should worry about in terms of the Mediterranean diet as you're searching for those good Mediterranean diet foods and you don't want those any hidden hazards. Mm hmm. Yeah, I would definitely say your olive oils, your avocado oils. Um, you know, we used to recommend canola oil. We do not recommend that at all anymore. Okay. Thanks so much, Dietitian Melissa, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the show. And we will see you again next week for The Heart of Innovation. Go to theheartofinnovation.org for this show and more. Have a great week, everyone. been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. 
The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.